this place of that seed of life, which is the gift of heaven, you, and that promise of the seed of life, which is that gift of heaven, me, are mysteriously related. And the mystery of the path of heaven on earth is that we explore the eternal love of that relationship between us. And most of us are cumbersome at this, protecting ourselves or projecting against another person, longing for that love, but having a dissonance and inability to listen to the silence and to receive the grace and to embody that, that grace <clears throat> as our life. And so every time you take a breath forward and you allow the mystery of the grace to move through you and then you breathe and you be and you enact that, you're establishing the life of which you are the seed. And God begins to reveal through other beings that same grace through the seeds of other souls for the sake of God within them, the sake of the universe within them, and through them back to you or to me or to another. Until we have moments of a shared communion, a shared aspiration, a shared hymn, a shared mantra, a shared surah we're reading, and bowing our heads before the Lord as we recite. And so we tend then to say, well, I don't have the same faith you do. And another person says, I don't have the same faith either of you do, but we actually are all having the same faith in that creator and within our heart of hearts we're just speaking three tribes of the languages of that trying to find how to translate the seed of this grace embodied to one another so a hindu person might receive a thread at age seven and go through a ceremony a zoroastrian might receive a different thread and have it tied across their body and rise in the morning with their prayers toward purity. <clears throat> and a Buddhist may sit up at dawn, emptying himself out, studying the space between the breaths. And yet another person might sit reading the Guru Granth, to Sikh woman with a map of the whole world before her, my friend Katie Message, and letting her prayers and love for God move through that morning so that in some mornings she might feel the whole world and others a part of the world that needs her prayers and others a reverie and other mornings, some serious, some quiet, some her lingering a bit longer at prayer, and then telling me years ago over the telephone, there was a particularly hard period of time for these areas of our world. And we discussed what was going on there. 
as God had called, the seed of Katie, to the trees and savannas and grasslands and jungles and mountain forests of Africa. This quality <clears throat> within each of us is unique and yet interrelated because it comes out of oneness, out of the same source, the ocean of God, and moves in a myriad of ways through you and you and you and myself and Katie and Rabbi Hoffman. And when we are attenuated to the center of that heart of hearts, the holy of holies of heaven, we realize, oh, we are receiving from the great mystery beyond us, of which we are a dewdrop, of which we are a part. We are receiving, receiving from that vastness. And then we begin to be capable of embodying, serving that holiness, representing being a child of that, and learning in the present moment, from the past moment, toward the next moment, what the seed is in life. Oh, I am alive. Oh, Katie, you and I praying together had similar experiences. I was overseas, you were here in America, your prayers guided you this way, which gave me strength, allowed God's protection and confidence in me as I journeyed to the same Africa you had been called to. And I met there <clears throat> African friends and colleagues and mentors, such as the late Rabbi Ambrose Makawaza or the late great high Sanusi of the Zulu people, Kreda Mutwa. Oh yes, here we are, the ocean moving through Kreda and Rabbi Ambrose Makawaza and his beloved wife and people from his congregation, his nephew Solomon, my beloved colleague Cedric Gardner and Blaine traveling with me, carrying medication for People in rural areas, <clears throat> when very little was available to caretake AIDS as it ravaged much of Africa. Medication which would be kept for those vessels of human beings for whom the suffering became great, rather than just having slims where they might fade away. The AIDS might have afflicted their, their brains or parts of their body which caused them great suffering. So the medical staff would lovingly receive the medication, this drop of the ocean of God and that one and this one and that one, and keep it aside for the cases where the suffering was great and allow the people quietly, slowly dying by just becoming thinner and weaker to fall away those seeds of life falling away like blades of grass and flowers and trees, as we all do. But allowing the nature of the time, not saying, can't you bring more medicine? 
couldn't you fly back to the United States and get that company to give you more medicine and raise the money through teaching to bring more medicine for my relative, my friend, my neighbor? No, it was not possible for this one. My body couldn't have withstood it. But mercifully, that portion could be kept for certain people. Not, not a privileged person, but someone where the suffering had moved into the disease ravaging and causing anguish. And so the medical person would then utilize it for that person until he or she or they quietly faded away to that blade of grass, that flower, that tree, that human being. Our difficulty in how we're taught is often not about the relationship of oneness among us, not about the place where God dwells in you, in the heart of hearts, or in you, or you, or me, but rather, I'm here, I'd like all the medicine, or you're here, you should have the most incredible extravagant shoes, and he's here, he should have everything. And she's here, she should have nothing, because I'm so upset with her. We treat one another as if all that was on the earth was a composite of the husks of all kinds of dead seeds. And then we enact relationships, husk to husk, the covering of the seed to the covering of the seed, until the life is spent, and then we say, is that all there is? wasn't enough for me. You should have given me more. And you should have given me more. Or I'm such a victim. I'm so dramatic. Please give me more. It's just not enough. All that one needs to do <clears throat> from the first breath taken in the tiny naked body of the baby to the last breath in the person covered by a sheet or a dhoti or a gown, or boxer shorts, or pajama bottom. Just that bare human being taking their last breath. All one needs to do is turn to the life force of the seed the Creator formed at the very heart of you, and allow your life to be. And then enact your life as a series of breaths doing. I am living. I am becoming. I am responsible. I am responding to God within you, to the seed of life within you, and the seed of life within you. And I wish for you to allow the seed of life which is within me then the actual living relationship we have with God, he, she, that, that great one, the quality of that is the classroom of our life embodied. And God reveals to us nuances of his nature, her nature, in other beings. And we find that 
the space and time of that relationship is all there is. Oh, here we are together, you and I. What does that word mean of what your Messiah said? And what does that word mean of what your guru said? And what does that word mean of what the great saint who founded your religion said? And we find that they are all addressing the same direction for the various seeds of the people of their faiths. And when we engage in listening for the breath of God in another being through his or her or their philosophy of the divine, their spiritual context of the divine, we realize that we are receiving from them a slightly different mood than from our own faith, yet the same central altar, as it were, a place of reverence, of respect, of love for God. And we realize we are praying together. We always were. We somehow just did not know to come into the seed within the very center of our being and live from that place in the garden. A friend of mine many years ago, an artist who is a potter, Joanne Searle, and her husband, who is a farmer of a Danish, Danish-American descent, <clears throat> were sitting with me back in the area of their home in the Finger Lakes area, <clears throat> where I was born and raised. And we talked about the changing climate. Bruce is a very wise man. He takes care of a farm which was bequeathed to him through his father and grandfather, and I believe his great-grandfather. And he has grown soybeans for many years, along with other aspects of the care of the farm. He lives away from the farm in a slightly different area over near where my family uh, has our little cottage. And he talked with me about the traditional crop that had been planted for quite some time. I don't remember how many years, 50 years, 100 years, 60 years. And he noted that the climate was changing. A little too much water one winter, a little too late of a spring, a little too cold to plant the systematic way of his father and grandfather. And then another year, Another similar year of difficulty, but this time a little too much heat and the water and rain fall at a slightly different timing than historically was the general pattern. And he was aware that there were only so many years a farmer might live and be able to sustain his family. If the seeds the farmer planted were not in appropriate soil and sunlight and rainfall and seasons of cold and warm wind and snow and ice and mud and heat. <clears throat> so we talked for oh, half an hour, an hour, about the patterns of the history, the responsibility of the present, 
what he'd been doing, what he normally would have planned. And we discussed what he might do at that time. And he very wisely asked the question of God, really. And then we talked of it. He brought it forward to me. So I was sitting beside him, and he had been praying and pondering, what if I plant half of my fields with the old crop and half of my fields with a soybean from a slightly more temperate climate that can handle the water a little differently? And so he tried it. He tried it for another year. And then he slowly shifted most of his plantings to this, this other seed. The way that God moved through the weather of the region allowed the new seed to thrive. <clears throat> Within several years, other farmers came to see him. Older farmers, farmers of different cultural ancestry, and Mr. Borglum, you're, you tried this seed. What did you think? How did it do? How did you plant it? Fertilize it? What were your dates for tilling, planting, fertilizing, harvesting? And so the conversation was one of great artistry of God. Bruce and Joanne were studying the Holy of Holies at her potter's wheel, <clears throat> with Bruce with his dog on his tractor riding through the fields 40 miles away, coming back to the lake house to look out across the little low, lower lake road at the water in the evening toward the sunset. And they were in the garden of God, very close to my brother and his family, an hour or so from my sister. My, my great friends, my true friends, feeding the human race from the fields of his ancestors. This is love. They were living. They are living now. Practicing breathing, being, and embodying. Cynthia may pick up a paintbrush, a certain color of ink ground from walnuts and mixed with certain fixatives, and wash onto paper a drawing of a tree that could have been in Bruce's fields. What are they telling us? They are translating heaven to earth for you, for one another, for me. Cynthia might show Henry what she created on a certain day, or she might wait a month contemplating symbols and tones, the hues of more walnuts, fewer mixed with this other wash side by side to cause the nuances of tree bark. The painting is not a tree. <clears throat> Bruce's seeds are not planting a tree. 
yet they are veritable living symbols. This woman and her husband, this man and his wife, veritable symbols of the tree of life embodied like a great sequoia, like a beautiful date palm, like a eucalyptus, a sugar maple tree, like Burmoris grows far up in Vermont. Then what occurs is the fruit of heaven is safely communicated through their heart of hearts back to God, to their loved ones, to you and to me. And our weapons come down and we pour maple sugar on our children's cereal or just have a little taste of it on snow in the winter time. We take one of Joanne's bowls and hand it with that cereal and maple syrup to a little child. We take soybeans from a marketplace in New York City where no one knows Bruce or Joanne's names. And yet a child in one of the boroughs of New York City is nourished by the fruit of his great-grandfather's heart. Isn't that blessed? Isn't that the pathway beyond all war? This place exists as the space between our breaths. This place exists in the space between twins, where one breathes and the other breathes, and they are one, yet they are two. Yet they come from something undescribable, holy, that has created us all. May that space between twins, that space between breaths, that space between any of us, reconcile all the mistranslations of our history into the present moment, the husk armoring each of us, opening up and coming into a springtime, a springtime of holiness as the very heart of hearts of each of us as we practice, ah, I breathe, I am, I am alive, I am embodying heaven on earth, everywhere and always. <laughs>